0: hey guys welcome to the mc anime podcast we cover anime geek culture japanese aesthetics and asian studies we are a multi-fandom podcast and you can expect to hear topics in your favorite hobby or fandom activity potentially you can find mc anime on google podcasts spotify apple podcasts and youtube also please check out mcanimepodcast.com our website furthermore stay tuned in for another episode Hey guys, this is NSYNC from Anime Podcast. Today we're back with another special guest, and Leslie's back with us. How's it going? It's going, man. I think it's like my third or fourth time being on your show, and trust me, I still listen to it all the time. Glad to be back. Yeah, Leslie's an avid fan and featured spokesman on this podcast. It's all time, I guess topic about meteorology and weather explained. So we're going to go into the insights of weather, the study of meteorology, how it applies to weather and the climate kind of thing just go on from there. Yep. And before we get into everything, tell the audience the background of weather and meteorology in your life. Well, all right. I don't know if I said this before, but I originally am from Florida and I live in the Northeast now. So I know a lot about weather, as the Northeast and way down south, the weather is totally different. (laughs) You know, when I, living in Florida, the biggest thing I had to deal with was the hurricanes, the rain, the, the just the 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 tide coming in if you lived on the ocean. It's all deals with weather, and you'd be really windy. It could be really hot, and then the humidity will just make it even hotter. And then now living up in Northeast, I live in Maine. You know, it it, it goes from I think today it was like seventy eight, and then during the winter it get it gets to below zero. <laughs> So you deal with that big of change. The weather affects, it just affects the body. I I know a couple of days ago, it was literally like 34 degrees in the morning when I, when I started to go to work. And then by the time I got out of work, it was like 78 and that, that big difference of temperature messes with my sinus really bad. Yeah. So. But, you know, my perspective about weather and meteorology at one point, I was actually thinking about being a meteorologist and being interested in the nuances of how weather affects every day. I, you know, did, you know, weather science, environmental science, ecology. So the environment, nature has always been a huge impact of who I like, especially the weather, the clouds. So personally, to me, having that, you know, passion for something like the nature itself and how it can be peaceful, violent in between, you know, the wispy clouds in the sky to the very hard hitting thunderstorm. I just like it as an overall perspective. So you were, you might've been a meteorologist could've been on the weather channel, right? I, I mean, I was thinking about it when I was like middle school, that's kind of when I took weather science as an actual elective, and actually loved the class. It was really easy, you know, look to the stratosphere, the different type cloud formations, look at the sky and say, oh, I see serious clouds today. That's going to be fair weather for now, but rain coming soon, <laughs> kind of thing. Well, I mean, I remember in middle school, I took a geog- uh, a geologist class or whatever. I think that's funny. Oh, and it was just really interesting learning about uh, how diamonds and, and rocks are formations are all different and how they can tell like the layer of like time by looking at like the just the you know they they can go back you know billions and billions of years just by looking at the dirt and what well you know the three types of rocks is uh sedimentary and uh metamorphic and uh indigenous yeah when you have one with heat one that does it with sediment the one that actually forms other heat and pressure yep to turn it from like either India's or sedimentary into a new type of rock, like model. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I I took in way too many sciences, I remember way too much. So my sciences knowledge is just dude it's just everywhere. There's nothing wrong with that, man. Knowledge is power, you know, as a kid of the eighties. <laughs> Coral. And one aspect is with weather. <laughs> So let's get into today's episode about weather and meteorology. So what's interesting about weather is the fact it affects us every single day. Yeah, it really does. You see it or not, you have head colds, you have sinuses, you have the rain, you have the heat, the cold, all the seasons. But that's, all of that is just surface level. Yeah. When you see the, the entire weather of the world, that's when it becomes very fast because okay. the different, different places based on geography, the climate, which is a period of weather for various very small, like, hundred years or so, which is totally different. El Nino, El, La Nina, all of that. Yeah, and then there's also, like, the trajectory the of the sun, the, the moon, you know? It, all, all these different factors affect the weather on Earth, you know, uh, so to speak. Like, you know, well, like, living in Maine, during the summer, the sun's out basically from four four in the morning to about ten thirty at night, you know. But then during the winter time, it comes up at like seven o'clock, and then by five o'clock in the afternoon, it's down. So I mean that it, it, that affects things because the sun's not out heating up the 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 you know the the surface of Earth. And everything's colder. But during the summer, it's out. Everything bright. You know, it's making the grass grow. It's you know, it, the humidity's a little bit out. It's a little bit warmer. You know, so like you're saying, you have all these different factors of things that are happening on Earth. Like different you know geographies, different places around the world have different uh different weather patterns and climates. Everything else. And you know the main components of weather that I'm actually going to specify are like the six components. The temperature, the, the atmospheric pressure, the wind, the humidity, precipitation, and the cloudiness. All of these are major factors in general weather in any given area. Yeah, true. So uh, let's go with the easiest one, temperature. Temperature is very obvious how it affects the weather. Yes. Death? Because the way we read temperatures in Celsius and Fahrenheit, which we use the different systems to use it with temperature. But at the same time, the big thing with temperature is the warm air current and the cold air currents. There's like 16 different currents that can happen within a storm system that cause the weather that we see. That's very fascinating. Okay. You're uh you know weather padded like I said, I guess you're you're uh, you're gonna be the meteorologist here and I'm just gonna throw in my two cents when I can, but Yeah. Also the humidity also affects uh the temperature as well. It affects the uh dew point and the uh heat index. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You're right. But but specifically with temperature you know the difference between warm air and cold air, and how it affects uh, temperature as a as a forefront. I do not. I mean, I know where freezing temperature is, but I don't know like specifically what you're saying all right so when you have warm air specifically warm warm air rises a lot of times uh cold air sinks so a lot of times when you have a cold front come in you get that cold spell all the cold air are into the lower level of the troposphere as a result you get it stuck there for a couple of days until the front goes out wherever the uh air current came from to blow it in for the first place okay it's kind of like the old saying that like hot air right like heat rises and like cold air kind of like goes down yes when you ever see uh when you open the freezer door the warm the cold air will literally immediately go to the floor downwards and anytime you have uh warm air like hot food you always see like the uh the steam coming up rising up that is that is true it's also like when you have fog which is uh it, it kind of like rolls across the field and when it's warm things are going up like there's like a fire or you know smoke everything rises but like cold air it kind of like this hovers there you know yeah and it, it does a hovering sensation closer to the ground in the troposphere. as a result cold air in the relation to warm air uh, has different type of fronts And that actually impacts the type of weather you might have. Like definite thunderstorms are caused by either cold air coming in, warm air colliding, or warm air getting trapped in the cold air. Basically being around and the warm air above interacting in a way to cause the clouds to change or collect in its daily routine. Alright, makes sense. So typically, when you think of temperature, you either think of, oh, I should wear a coat, or should I wear shorts, or should I wear pants, kind of thing. Yeah. If I go for the heavy coat, do I do the fur coat or the windbreak? That typically a lot of people usually see temperature. And there's actually, the temperature, there's a lot more than meets the eye because that's the basic principle behind weather is the actual type of front, like a stationary front, cold front, warm front, etc. can actually happen as a result of the different air currents with the, uh, yeah, the type of temperature in the air current itself. Yeah. So that's a little bit about temperature. Uh, Let's talk about after the pressure. Because air pressure in the atmosphere is actually a very vital role in the, when it comes to weather. So, yeah. Is it like the effect of gravity uh, on uh, the planet? Um, It's the weight of the atmosphere overhead kind of thing. Okay. So, it's a force. Typically, when you get to higher altitudes, you get to higher pressure, less air. Yeah. You ever think about that? It's really hard to breathe because it's a higher altitude. I also figured that uh, the atmosphere, the, like, the air is thinner, too, right? And the heat is I, I, thin. Do, I do know, like, in the change of air pressure, uh, especially when I'm flying, like, your ears are popping. You might, uh, you know, have, like, uh, more G-forces on your, uh, like, on your body or whatever, especially when you're going up. because you know, you're feeling the pressure, like, forced on you. I don't know if you fly a lot, but I have planes and until we get about cruising altitude you take off it doesn't bother you but you feel the impact on you you know when your ears are popping you feel like you're kind of being weighed down into the plane yeah <laughs> and the thing with pressure that changes in the actual shifts is what impacts the weather Typically, we have a high-pressure system and a low-pressure system. What? The high-pressure system typically is cool temperatures, clear skies. Okay. Well, when we get a low-pressure, it's like warmer weather, storms, and rain. So clouds too, right? well well specifically the pressure system is what's implicated in the type of weather you might actually see okay. in a high pressure system you typically gonna have a cool temperature clear skies the okay precipitation's gonna form no heavy clouds gonna hit, get ready to head a thunderstorm or that's of when you have like cooler temperatures like 60 degrees 50 degrees stuff like that all right to know well a low pressure system that's when you have like the heat comes in the 80 degree weather with the thunder you know the storms coming in the rain getting heavier because it's basically making a cloud forming and then you know, they drop kind of perspective okay so it's kind of interesting how pressure actually plays into the role of scheme. Typically, you know, if the, you know, the aspect pressure is much lower at higher altitudes, like, you know, 40% of the air pressure is at sea level. But as you get up above sea level, the pressure dissipates. So it's not as much as it much on the troposphere where it bears down on us constantly. All right. Well, I'm so. Listening to your insight here... <laughs> You know a lot about this stuff. I don't know about weather. It's yeah. Like, I that everybody know I this. <laughs> Man, you, you sound smarter than most of the weather people that I know. <laughs> I, I don't know. You, you sound more into it or whatever. Not just be like, oh, hey, the temperature going to be like this. You can literally go in there and explain how it's done or whatever. I don't know. You just you you seem like you're you're smarter than some of the you know meteorologists i'm saying that with haircuts because of you know you're not like al roker or whatever like you just oh You want to, oh, okay. Air quotes. Okay, I see. You want to, the air around the weather is feeling hot. Pun intended. Yeah, pun intended. (laughs) Nah, what I'm saying is like, you know, a lot about this or whatever, and you know, you're explaining it, and it's just sometimes meteorologists or people that do the weather, they just kind of like, oh, this is coming, and this is why it's going to happen. And you're like, well, yeah, because. this this is how it's supposed to be. I don't know. You just sound more in tune with actually how things are actually going on instead of just like telling the you know the temperature or whatever. I, I don't know. True. You know. I mean, yeah typically, you know, the best example you see with pressure is a mountain. Typically, you go lower to the mountain. The valley is more cold air, more pressure down there. Then you pump up the mountain and climb. Up. Your ears pump, which is a sign of the pressure change. Yep. So that's probably the best example with actual, like, in real life pressure, you know, becoming less. Because we don't realize when you're at a lower altitude, not the higher one, the lower you get, the more pressure it is around you. You just don't feel it because you're used to it. It's not gravity, it's it's the actual air pressure. Really? Yeah. Maybe it's kind of like when you like divers and stuff that they go into the ocean and they go down the pressure as they go down is like being in the air it starts crushing you inward you yes. know the atmosphere yes exactly that also has to do with water being very heavy so the pressure intensifies even below the water line the deeper you go but that's more of a water pressure yeah i it weighs down more than air, uh, the atmosphere I mean, it still deals with weather because it's all part of the same system, you know. Uh, water pressure actually tends to be water is heavier than air, so well, yeah. for 4 cubic uh, centimeter, you get more water pressed down on you before you go down. That's the science behind water pressure. Okay. So sorry. It's, a to- it's a totally different uh because water is just so heavy. Yeah, I, I getting you off topic. Sorry. But well, you know, it's a good it's a good tangent point. Um what yeah, yeah. think about pressure. So think of like pressure like in a tank. You had to pressurize the gas to in order to get it moving or do it something you want it to do. You do this in turbines all the time. There's pressurized gas, it moves a turbine, and then that pressurized gas a lot of times gets heat and cold depending on what's going on. Yeah, okay. Go. So, but speaking of air, let's, let's go to the obvious one that, that moves all around us. The wind. The movement of the air itself. Okay. I know a lot about that. Or when The differences between temperature and the, uh, the pressure between nearby regions. This is how wind typically forms. So let's say you have a low pressure area but with a high uh, low pressure with high temperature that will okay. bring heavy wind because the difference is very drastic I never low pressure system is typically uh, you know warmer and if you get into a cold environment nearby that will cause a lot of you know, the wind and stuff okay now the reason why on a hot day wind moves around more is because of the difference of how air moves you ever feel like wind is like too much on some days man all the time is where i'm at it's just i go out there and all of a sudden it's just super windy and it's just like where is this wind coming from you're literally just standing still you know it's it, it it's fun i guess it's because I, I live in the mountains and like the pills it, it just sometimes there's no way and all the times I'm like these windstorms I've gotten I've had to pick up like my trash cans on my neighbor that's across the street and like a couple doors down, now I run across the street it's like hundreds of feet away and I don't even know how it got there 12 <laughs> You know, winds tend to blow from areas of high pressure where it's colder to areas of low pressure where it's it's warmer So that's typically how wind will operate in the behavior of weather specifically Okay It goes from the high pressure which is cold to warm So basically it flows from cold to warm doesn't really flow from warm to cold very well That's good to know, now that I know that I never really thought about how wind comes, I guess it just happens. But now that, you know, learning how you're explaining it to me, you know, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. So typically when you have, uh, um, where, like, you have a cold front coming in, and then the next day you have uh, warmer temperatures, typically that transition period is going to have more wind that day than, say, the week before when it was cold because of that change. The change in weather picks up in the wind and actually can make a really windy day. Okay. But the biggest influence that wind actually has in weather is the jet stream. This is, like, the very strong, fast winds in the upper atmosphere. Okay. And there's different depths in the jet stream that we have. Like for example, when we have a, you have an anomaly in weather that really happens that doesn't usually happen in that area. And there's different jet streams. Like for example, like the polar winds might come into main more than say the East Coast. And where the East Coast might be more affected by the Gulf Stream when it coming up with the warm waters around there. And there's different, you know, they have the polar winds, there's all kinds of winds That's labeled in the, in the different jet streams it's Just depending on geographically What your jet stream does Most of the time Now the speed Of a jet stream These are typically 80 to 100 miles per hour What's really? up is like two hundred and seventy-five miles per hour. So you just have to be careful. Sheesh. These push that if it weather systems run the blow. So jet stream is a huge impact in weather because the change in the jet stream means a change in the weather. And yeah. the cascading of the jet stream from the polar wind to like the Gulf Stream colliding, that's a storm front rain to happen because of that interaction of, you know, cold not mixing with warm, all that other stuff. Cold trapping warm or too much cold coming in, all that. You know, there's a reason why Chicago and Illinois' name nicknamed the Windy City. Yeah, why is that? It's named because it is on a large body of water, where the Great Lakes has anomalies in weather all the time. The weather can change on a dime and just be windy all the time. Have a huge amount of gust of wind coming in from nowhere because of the different, unique perspective in the Great Lakes. The weather in the Great Lakes can literally shift and hours to a thunderstorm without without any secondation it could be a clear sky and there' be a thunderstorm all in oh that's just a that's just a summer day in Florida <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, well kind of in Florida but specifically in the Great Lakes it's such a large body of water the Great Lakes itself mm-hmm. actually acts as a anomaly in the weather and the air because the, the lake itself impacts the weather, but the warmer body and the colder body interact with it. Water typically doesn't want to warm up as fast, so as it causes more of resistance. So any body of water, any large body of water around you, like the ocean, has a huge impact in weather because of that. <laughs> a lot of times it's wind tunnels that come in, so... But yeah, that's win in a nutshell. How about humidity? what how do you what do you feel about humidity? Uh, I don't like it because it makes things hotter. <laughs> Oh, you know what humidity is, right? I, I I do believe it has something to do with like water moisture in the air. Yes, it does. Did I do higher not? the uh, the the water moisture index. The higher the humidity is, that's how much water vapor as a gas is present in the air around you, which has that greenhouse effect, which water vapor does. That actually heats up. So, so what you're saying is, the higher the humidity, the higher chance. The rain is that day. Like the higher chance of humidity means that the in the coming days rain could be coming, or it could be a lot of rain buildup because of the high humidity. Okay, I just wanted to make sure I was understand. I under I, I was right about so. the fact right. of a lot of humidity means that there's a lot of water moisture in the air. So that buildup is going to eventually lead to a storm either a week or three weeks from now, whatever time it happens dude oh a couple weeks ago man it just like rained for like three days straight finally my my big ass yard is not a swamp I say, that's a good thing right yeah no like, trying to deal with all that man just the mud and yo it was so flooded <laughs> that a duck created his own pond okay a duck created its own pond We do you mean, a duck created its own pond all right so <laughs> It was raining so hard and so long. I have, uh, there used to be like a chicken coop there. So just like a pad that's really like low center in my yard. And when it rained, all the water and stuff kind of settles there and makes like a little pond. Uh So a duck just flew there and he made it his own little pond for a day. It was like the craziest thing. (laughs) Had his own little private pond, he swam around and had fun. (laughs) <laughs> and I was glad it wasn't a goose because gooses are need. You mean geese? Geese, yeah. Well it was one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the Canadian geese are not very nice and another thing with canada geese the reason why they migrate south is because of the warmer temperatures so yeah it's a big impact on how weather plays out when they migrate you know when they fly up north that means you know they're going to a food source that's you know a warmer climate and then when it comes winter time they go to the south to get the warmer temperatures because they can't be in that area that makes All a lot animals of animals can't actually survive in colder weather well, some of the birds do survive, like, you know, the seagulls, pigeons, and crows, you'll see them around all winter, but all the other types of birds, they're usually gone, so, like, the... That typically has to do with the, uh, uh, behavioral adaptation of the animal in the climate or the coral climate. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Because all the other birds, those are all the type of birds you see. All the other birds, like you said, they're uh, they going south for the winter. So yeah. as soon as I don't see any geese, that that means I know that the the cold weather is coming. So I'll have to pay attention to that. It's <laughs> just more that... You know, waterfowl and fowl in general that are more susceptible to temperature differences have to migrate because of the behavioral adaptation. They have to have that warmer climate in order to survive. And sometimes it also food too. Different food, yeah. Different periods of the yeah, year. That's true. But like, I, I know that crows—they're scavengers. Same thing with seagulls. And I think pigeons eat anything they can get their hands on. So. Their food sorts are different, say, like a, like a goose or a duck or some of these smaller birds or whatever They that feed on, you know, seeds and, and grass and stuff like that. You know, if the grass is here, it's dead. It's not very lucky, and it's covered in snow. You know, the birds, they have nothing to eat or munch on, so they have to go south where it's not as bad. True. Yeah. So, yeah, overall, humanity is, like, Humidity usually expresses like relative humidity, which is the percentage percentage of like the maximum of how water air can hold at a given temperature. Mm-hmm. So, cool air holds less water; warm air holds more. And we have a, a heat index of relative humidity of like a hundred percent. Yeah. So the closer it gets to one hundred percent, the more concentrated, saturated water vapor is present in the air at that moment. Yeah, it's kind of like when it says, "Oh, it's uh, the the temperature is only 80, but then the heat index says, "Yeah, it's, cl- it's gonna feel closer to a hundred just because yes. of the humidity hanging out there against the water and, you know, and reflecting off the side." I don't, trying to understand. Yeah, so I, I get that, and you know, it's also awesome when you're we're talking about air. Even though it, it could be It might be 70 Let's say 70 degrees inside a house or whatever, But you don't have any movement Of like the air And it's stagnant It feels like it's hot Even though it's only 70 yeah. degrees Basically the more saturated the water is The water vapor The more likely that the air Can hold that water vapor That's why it gets rese- released Down the precipitation as it does and that's kind of like how uh, um, AC units work, is, is when it gets hot, you turn on the AC to bring it to a temperature. Mainly, it is it sucks the humidity out of the air to bring the temperature down. Yes. An and a water of- vapor falls as precipitation. Clouds yep. of precipitation occurs when air cools below its saturation point. Mm-hmm. This usually happens when you have warm, humid air cools as it rises. Basically, creating the precipitation around you for the clouds itself. Yep. And the most humid places on earth is like the equator, Singapore is humid all year long. It is any place in the Indian Ocean are uh, heavily saturated because of the warm climate. It's so close to the equator, it's ridiculous. And the It'll, equator is a big, uh, the factor in weather in tropical areas, because of the heat and the closeness of the sun, have the uh, Earth access is pointed towards the sun. Okay, that makes sense. So, you know the main the main uh, factor in weather is precipitation. So, you know the heavier the cloud, the more precipitation that will fall. And clouds actually exist in very different forms. You have like Columbus, which is very usual, big fluffy clouds. Serous cloud is like really wispy, very thin. Not much there. Uh, stratum nimbus. You have all these different. The uh, you know, the big ones like the cumulus. the nimbus is like thunder clouds. Okay. The more you see gray, the more it is signs of storm. So if you don't, if they're not white and they're all dark, that is a thunderstorm waiting to happen. And thunderstorm is the, the most common cyclone that we have. Not cyclone, but storm system, because of the uh, it's very common with having with precipitation, humidity, and all of that to play a factor into the actual precipitation of the rain. Okay. So, where's your ever look at the clouds and see the different shapes? Oh, always. I remember as a kid just looking at the, the clouds and they'd be like, Hey, that one looked like an elephant. That one looked like a giraffe. That one looks like, uh, you know, so-and-so or that one looks like a dog. You, you know, uh, just, it, it was fun looking at that kind of stuff. True. That's why cloud watching is very... Because people can identify what shape it looks like to them and someone can actually look at the same cloud and see something else. Because in shape, the clouds are being formed by the wind, the temperature, the amount of precipitation it has, and how much buildup it actually is building up and but you know also when you see different clouds the different invocation for the weather uh because of the type of cloud you see so for example wispy clouds like cirrus clouds usually is a signal for mild weather you know fair weather for now but rain coming later kind of thing like uh, a blanket cover of nimbostratus is steady long periods of precipitation. Mm-hmm. The nimbus or the thunderheads—that's the heavy downpours. So but I'll name thunderhead. thunderhead, thunderhead is the, the the big old cumulonimbus nimbus. That's the most common storm cloud out there. Those are your heavy bursts of rain that seem very where it beats on your house very hard. That's sometimes can be the, the cumulonimbus nimbus typically they're associated with thunderheads heads because thunder comes out of the cloud and the uh, electrons and protons and stuff clashing with each other and causing the heat so I don't know. Clouds affect different uh, sunlight reaching the Earth's surface. There's a reason why clouds are typically cooler than when it's clear because clouds actually prevent more of the sun's radiation from reaching the Earth's surface. You no, know, you know the opposite is that at nighttime is as like a blanket keeping the Earth warm. So without clouds, we wouldn't have the weather we have in any capacity. What do you feel about clouds? Clouds? Uh, I like clouds. I don't, I don't like it when it's supposed to be like a nice day out, and then it's just cloudy, and it, it's like, you're not sure if the clouds are gonna, they're blocking out the sun, if it's gonna rain, or it's just gonna be cloudy all day, like, it kinda gets annoying, cause it's just like, alright, what are we doing here, you're just gonna have clouds bothering you, so it, it's... It's a little annoying. So sometimes, like, you think it's going to rain all day and you just wait and you don't make any plans. You don't do anything because you feel like once you go step outside, it's just going to start downpouring. And then nothing happens. You know, it's just cloudy all day. The sun's out, but the clouds are blocking it out. And you just waste the whole day. And you can. So, clouds are fun, but uh, I feel like, especially like when it's humid out it rains and, and the temperature drops but as soon as it gets done raining and it sun's back out all that water and humidity just raises the heat up real quick so so if you put if you i, I know florida i never would wear like any of the heavy rain uh, re, rain resistant like jackets or anything because there'd be no no reason to As soon as it stops raining temperature rises everything's heated, and I'm just, you know, I feel like the water is—I'm dripping in sweat. So I just always here to, true, you know. Now that's a little bit of weather. Um, how that's the main. How it that affect the of weather? Now, the interchangeability of how these factors affect each other is pretty simple. You know, temperature affects what type of system you have. The type of pressure indicates what the type of temperature will be. So, for example, cold is, you know, usually colder temperature. High pressure is cold. Warm, low pressure is warm. Less pressure. Mm-hmm. Moisture, level, the humidity and, and high pressure and low pressure is different. All of that stuff. But the history of actual weather, as being forecasted is the actually biology part which is the science of forecasting weather you know weather forecasting has been important for thousands of years one big pacific thing is uh, al- uh farming or agriculture okay long of crop that has been a pretty mainstay in ancient civilizations uh knowing the different seasons and knowing which type of crops actually grow in those type of seasons yeah to- using the weather as a tool to grow at different parts of the year to grow the best crop at that part. I'm sure it's something that they developed over hundreds of years through trial and error, you know? Yeah. It's kind of interesting because, you know, weather itself is very nuanced. Meteorology is a study of how weather up in history. But meteorology is also the study of weather and climate of, like, long periods of time. That's our meteorology means. They use the data they have for the forecasting to actually to show simulated uh stimulated maps what the weather could actually do based on factors of the you know, temperature, humidity, the dew point, all you know, the air pressure, all of that to actually give a golden toe sign like, okay, today's gonna to be sunny, here's why kind of thing. Okay. And, you know, uh, throughout meteorology, the weather map indicates what's going on. So this is where you had the stormy cloud with the thunder. That means thunderstorm. The cloud with rain just means rainstorm. Partly cloudy is usually a cloud with the sun behind it. Uh, You know, no clouds at all means just sunny all day. Do you like that type of stuff? yeah i do i do it's it's learning different patterns and how things happen and and why thing is i may not fully understand it you know when i when i learn it but like just uh, the interest of just learning how that that is is uh pretty cool yeah and you know the spiral formation for tornado is different than the spiral formation that a hurricane right oh yeah Uh, a hurricane is just like a big ass thunderstorm and tornadoes i guess uh they happen more frequently but they i, I don't necessarily know how tornadoes happen i i guess it's just like maybe the like maybe a cold front and uh, and uh we saw a low front and a high front kind of colliding together very fast and it creates the the effect of a tornado just because it's two two different types of uh you know weather pattern colliding really quick and you know Just, it happens. You can probably explain it better than I could, but that's what I I think is how they happen, but I can also be wrong, you know? Well, typically, Cyclones, actually, yeah. Cyclones typically are... Thicker lines because they are using more hotter weather situations where the moisture is relatively high. Okay. There's a reason why a hurricane sucking up the moisture from the Gulf Stream heading up the East Coast has a major impact. Because of the fact that the warm air feeds it so much moisture, so it keeps going for miles for hundreds of miles across Mm coastlines. That's why the pattern of a hurricane can pick up at a moment's notice, depending if warm air comes in to feed it more warm air. That's why warm air, depending on a hurricane, is actually devastating because it picks up activity. It gains more water than what it had before. Because it's constantly releasing the water, the storm surge, the heavy waves that come with the hurricane and the high winds as well. But, you know, spiral cyclones of all of the place. We have monsoons, we have tornadoes, you know, the hurricanes, different places, you know, that's the reason why monsoon season hits Asia so hard. Because of the warm corridor. <laughs> It's like a hurricane, it just happens in Asia as a monsoon. No, uh, monsoons are typically tropical storms, they're like right under a tropical depression, which a lot of times tropical depressions become hurricanes and the cyclones. Gotcha. Typically, it's warmer water, and typically, hurricanes in the Atlantic come from the uh, west coast of Africa, okay, and they kind of travel up, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, the hurricanes only, them, always them. start near Africa and then usually come up towards the Caribbean. Yeah, and typically when it hits the Caribbean, that's typically where the, it will actually decide to either go to the Gulf or continue up. That's typically the destination point where it decides where to split off to. Okay. So... And with monsoon, this is a very heavy uh, tropical storm. Typically monsoon season in Asia is basically the equivalent of like the wet and dry cycles like you have in Africa. Okay. normal uh, dry season, you have a wet season. Typically monsoon season is similar to like a wet season, but instead it's like heavy tropical storms causing a lot of damage and actually can happen continuously. And that's during, usually during the warmer months, typically when the monsoon's happen more frequently yeah so but you know some place like the desert only has like two types of climate but it only has two seasons the dry spell and the wet sea that's it that's yeah. the weather over there happened with us we typically have four seasons Yes, you know, where equivalently, like, we have fall, or what's to say winter. We have winter, which is the sun going the opposite direction. So during that period of time, there's less sun out. So making it more cold, whereas the transition of getting to more sun as the springtime was just in the middle, but enough where plants are growing and actually animals are back and not hibernating and all this other stuff. And then, then summer, it picks up more heat and then fall, it comes back down in preparation for winter. So basically, in the scheme of things, weather is every day, and you can't get away from it. As simple as that. Anything else you want to add to weather and meteorology? Leslie. Leslie? Hmm. You there? But yeah, that's how weather is impacted through our daily lives. So as a result, you have different forms of weather and how it can actually lead to different things. Before we go, weather can the instruments to measure the weather is the Doppler radar. So the Doppler radar signifies uh you know the date of the weather map a lot of times when you use the symbols, the fronts, lines down, triangles, all of that to simulate what type of flooding will be, the type of system, uh what's what which weather is likely to occur in this part instead of this part kind of thing. So it really comes down to that. So, you know, as cyclones might be interesting in the seasons that go with it, you know, different seasons have like four compared to two. Meteorology actually has a big impact in how weather can be perceived like, for example, on the weather map. When you see the weather map, you have all these symbols and as a result symbols mean different things with a different association with that symbol. As that being said, meteorology has grown significantly to the impact locations of the Doppler radar, which scans the different weather patterns on the horizon, miles and miles in advance with stations actually specifically measuring the weather inputs live to actually gather the data that meteorologists use use to actually predict the weather so what do you think of that implication well uh, when you're talking about doppler radars i like i said i am from florida there's a lot of them there and i i, I remember reading about how they have like two or three different um like radar systems in, in the area because say like one one does it's like circle or sending out a signal and it, you know there's clouds in the way or a building or whatever they have three that kind of kind of bring everything together and that way they're not missing anything none's bouncing off of clouds or trees or buildings and they can get the most accurate reading ever so that's one thing you know about doppler radars sometimes weather can you know cause it not to be picked up on radar you know, you know what i mean yeah and with also at these different weather stations that collect this data for the doppler radar on map we also have the instruments that actually record weather in due time yeah and the thing is, these instruments are all like, being used at the same time. So like the barometer, the, the thermometer, the wind, vein, the wind veil, the uh, heat index humidifier, all that stuff is being used to gather the different information available at any given time. But the thing is like, very fascinating. When you think of the instruments that meteorologists can actually use at their disposal for the, determining the weather, I I think with all the information they have, and they can get it basically when I said real time, like for like minute to minute, and you know, I just really uh you know with everything that they do and they're collecting it you can kind of predict the weather of like you know when i'm looking at see if it's gonna rain on a particular day you can see it you know fast forward it oh is it gonna start raining at two let's say it's gonna rain at two uh, in the afternoon and you're gonna see how long it can stay it could go on for only an hour to to like a couple hours and it's kind of cool that they can predict the the weather patterns like that you know if it's gonna be heavy if it's gonna be a light rain or if it's not gonna rain you know it, it's kind of cool with all these instruments they they can literally like pr- predict what's gonna happen in the coming hours you know true you know you yeah, know the six instruments that kind of like scientists use a lot at any weather, you know, given weather station or a small weather station, one is the hydrometer. The hydrometer measures the humidity, the moisture, and the air. So without that, they can't have the humidity, which is a major factor in determining the weather itself. Yes. Yeah, so the rain gauge uh measures how much rain has fallen. Uh basically this determines uh Yeah, they're just to add the rainfall, the buildup of rain. So, if a lot of rain happened recently, you might not, the rain gauge can be used to say, okay, so if rain happened now, there's going to be a buildup time for rain to happen later, you know? Yes. We already know how a thermometer works. It read you know, the the chemical reaction make it rise, go down depending on what the temperature is. And as a result, the reading is what the temperature actually represents at that time. So whether it's warm or cold it spikes or sinks, based on the same principle as warm air rises, cold air sinks. So any favorite thermometer you have? Any favorite thermometer that I have? Yeah, like any memory associated with any thermometer of any type. Uh... I, I really can't say i remember uh when i did boy scouts we'd like to have a thermometer out when it would be connected with uh like when it rained it would like capture like the rain to see how many inches of rain had fallen i remember you know kind of being uh this kind of infatuated with that because the rain i uh i remember it rained really hard one night when we were camping and it was like three or four inches of rainwater fell you know because that's what was collected in the thermometer system we had so i, w- I would say it the, wasn't the thermometer i was interested in it was how much water like inch wise fell and how much it caught i thought that was kind of cool oh okay with me i think the thermometer that i think of like like very early on is the mercury based thermometers oh um the ones that have like the different sinking weights that have like a big glass feature off 'Cause my grandmother had a lot had that particularly at our house a lot of the time. So it would rise and fall depending on the temperature range. Well well, now I'm thinking about their uh like a thermometer. I wouldn't say it's like a like a classic thermometer, but yeah. Ever since- so i got my own uh you know i became a homeowner and i'm um, during the, the month i'll sit there and grill. i like kind of watching the temperature rise really quick it's like you know say it, it starts off at 70 or whatever and then it, you, I, I turn uh my grill on and it jumps all the way to like 400 within like a few seconds you know it just or a few minutes i shouldn't say second but it you're just watching the temperature rise fairly quickly i i i, th- I, I kind of like that because then that now now i feel like I'm awesome they're like yeah I got my grill I'm gonna start making some meat cooking and doing all this cool stuff you know <laughs> so I guess that that's something that I look forward to just making sure that my grill comes to temperature and I can clean it off and then I could, you know grill what I, I'm preparing to grill you know what I mean so temperature has a big impact on all kinds of stuff chemical reactions the weather pressure how much is actually being kept yeah. the You know, the state of, you know, ice, water, and vibration, and gas kind of thing. The evaporation cycle is really key. So temperature has a big impact on how that all oh, chimes out. So that's the monitor. Uh, the next uh, tool that would I mean, commonly use to measure the weather is the uh, barometer. This is the uh, tool to measure air pressure. Now, how does that work though? Do you know how that would work? Well, okay, so the barometer is set on measuring the changes in temperature itself. So it will actually, like, if the temperature drops, this means it clouds a participation rate of precipitation, rain, or snow, pressure goes up, usually clear fair weather. Basically, the change in the force around it. <laughs> Okay. So when you have a barometer, it forecasts weather in the top of the altitude. Um, so basically, uh, a barometer has a high reading, which is the high pressure, and then stable indicates good weather. Okay. When you're in the midst of a high pressure system, that barometer is falling, indicates that a low pressure system is moving in, and you expect poor weather. So typically, uh, a higher reading is the higher pressure, and a lower reading is the lower pressure. Okay. All right. So, it uses liquid mercury to predict the weather by the changes. And then you have the different numbers. So, the different numbers is basically the weight of the outlaying air pressure down on the earth. So, it goes by the weight system. It has triggers in the weights that which the, the, if the pressure changes, it will indicate a different reading according to the weight around it and the instrument itself. <laughs> so, it's kind of interesting with the yes Yeah. Because... It's not really, it's like how you lead, I guess it's like more sophisticated a instead of reading tire pressure in a way, like, you know, all the PSI, because pressure typically gets put in PSI units for some reason, so it just goes to show you what actually it does in the terms of air pressure, yeah? But yeah, it you know it is the layers of Earth one. It, the air has weight and presses against everything it touches. as the gravity pulls it down. Now we have different types. Like mercury is the oldest. You know, its water is relatively light and weight, so a tall tube with a large amount had different order to compensate for the heavy weight. Um, Then you have like an rate barometer, which is like a chamber that expands and contracts depending on the the pressure around it. Mechanical tools that measure how the chamber expands or the the contracting aspect. So it's just like basically how you have the different pressure around it being sensitive and being gauging it itself. Okay. So, but yeah. Then we go to the uh, anemeter. Uh, the anemometer is the uh, wind speed, so how fast the wind is coming from is very important in determining, you know, uh, what type of pressure it comes from as well. The anemometer also determines wind speed. Is typically the, uh, the differences in the air stream, so that's where wind speed actually is a factor in determining the weather itself. Gotcha. You didn't think wind speed would be actually a measurement of weather, did you? No, I did not. I, I did not, the first time I was hearing about it. So when you think of wind speed, what do you think of? When I think of wind speed, I'm thinking of either like, flying like a, like a plane, like a smaller plane, or, or either like a, like a glider. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, you do what You want to deal with the wind speed and the, the current of the air and stuff like that. That's what I think of when I, when you're thinking of wind speed. It's also like uh, when you're going into high winds, you're going against it. You know, you'd much rather be dealing with like maybe 10 to 20 miles an hour instead of like a 50 mile an hour wind, you know? True. We call this turbulence. Yeah. Basically, you know, the first reason, is if you know the wind spin, the direction, you know which the direction it's coming from and how fast it's moving. So if the wind's coming out of town, like 80 miles per hour, that's much as, you know, wind is using knots, so you can convert that over. Yeah. Yeah and the radar shows how the participation has been to the east, basically, when you have prediction, you actually have you can gauge the amount of time that weather event is going to happen from this location to the next location. So that's how wind speed is typically determined in weather gauging and predicting the weather. That's how you get to like the timely reports. Five o'clock, da-da-da-da-da, the storm's going to roll in, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, okay, I'm following you. So, when speed specifically is the amount of time it will take that system to travel to the next town or locality to prepare the next inhabitants of that area of the, in- the impending weather coming near them. Oh, I, I see what you're saying. So you're saying like, say like the wind speed is pushing a let's say a, a hurricane, you know and with the wind speed and how far away the hurricane is for your current location can kind of help predict how uh, how long it's going to take before it reaches your area, right? Yeah, just like a notion. How fast is the object moving in a part of west Would it stop or would it continue in that, you know, force? Because I'm gonna stop unless it dies out itself. Yes. So if it's still going strong blazing or goes weak and then picks up again, then typically what will happen is that the wind speed determines the distance in which it needs to travel to the next location. Yes. Okay. Now now I'm getting it. Why it would be important. Yeah. Wind speed and wind direction kind of go together kind of a little bit, but wind speed is like time approximately it's coming from. Wind direction is actually measured by the weather vane, so typically, you know, a weather vane you see is northwest, south, you know, with all the different variations in between. Yeah, yeah. So weather vein is interesting because now where the wind coming from indicates the system that's coming with that wind. So if a strong uh, wind's wind coming from the northeast, then you have like some like a northeasterly or a western wind. So these a uh, lot of the winds that we have, like northeast winds, trade winds, are pretty most of them are, are by location of which they're coming from. So the direction they're coming from. That's typically how they get the names, like the northeasternlies, the westernlies, all that stuff. Isn't that funny? Yeah, it is. It is. We named the most of the major winds by the direction they come from because typically that direction has different phenomenon for the wind to be classified as. Silly. Uh-huh. That's why you had different types of jet streams. That's why you had different types of like, you the trade winds coming up. What, what, is the the tra- uh, what is trade winds? Trade winds is the uh, behind, uh, specific wind that deals with yeah, they're the easternlies Okay. I just call them trade winds because they're, eastern, they're, they're easier to call than easterlies most of the time. It's oh. the west prevailing winds that flow into the Earth's equatorial region. Trade winds is uh, another big impact, I think, north of the equator that affects all the different natural wind currents that we have. Really? Huh. Mm-hmm. How come it doesn't affect like the south, man? It can. It's just depending if it's coming from that direction, it can flow into that direction. Oh, okay, all right. But the four types of winds that we have is planetary, the trade winds, the easterlies, the westernlies but periodic winds and local winds. Oh. So, but the main winds that we have are the trade winds, westernlies and the planetary. Local winds just happen naturally. Okay, and what's periodic wind? What that's supposed to mean? A periodic meaning it just comes up in the moment, it doesn't happen all the time. Gotcha, okay. Yeah, then self explanatory Then I didn't know if there'd more to it, you know? Um, you know, it's just periodic, it's not as frequent when it comes up. And the interesting thing about wind zones the major, uh, the five major wind zones, fun fact is the polar easteries, the westernlies, the horse latitudes, the trade winds, and the doldrums. So, those are the major wind zones that actually affect weather. So, and then most of them are direction, but also the uh, location where they come from. Mm-hmm. But you know, different types of winds also have, have a different type of force because different, uh, like say the polar easterlies, which affect you know something like Maine or the Arctic Circle more, have a cold, dry wind little moisture but cold coming in so that also the the wind moves the temperature along and that's how you get the fronts and everything else you see how anything now like cascades and ripples and like affects each other yeah so you're saying uh the different types of wind will create either a low uh low or high pressure system yes on the, system, the higher pressure system has the temperature, which then also impacts the humidity based on the temperature. And then the humidity impacts the amount of precipitation, you know, with the heat index. Yes, right, right. I'll call know, fall, that also forms the clouds of the precipitation building with the heat index. Gotcha. So, in theory, you can predict the weather with a combination of data like the wind vane and the thermometer, um, the which is the humidity, and all put that together. You get like the different measurements to actually use the tools for the craft of meteorology. Now, you know, meteorology is not a perfect science but it's pretty accurate. It's the closest thing we got to predicting weather. itself. So. Yeah, it, it can't be like, you can't predict everything, but you can do the best you can, you know? Yeah. You could. There's always so much data and you know, the history of data that can actually give you a phenomenon that, you know, still don't know the impact. Like, El Nino and La Nina, that's a weather phenomenon that changes what we know about weather as we, like, know right now. Because each time that comes up with fun it always has funky weather that happens with that effect yeah i you know la nina what's up have you ever heard of el nino or la nina yeah i've already told i've heard of el nino it's it, it's like usually like a shift in like a weather pattern yeah that that's what it's and then la nina is like the other shift of the weather pattern if i'm remembering that correct Yeah, the El Nino is is in the Eastern Pacific, where, you know, the ocean surface temperatures get warm. Okay. So it basically affects the weather patterns that it's not. It just throws everything off. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's the next one it is. It's like a weather pattern that throws it off or... Different than normal, basically. Yeah. El Nino's in the eastern part of uh the Pacific. La Nina happens in the equatorial east central Pacific. Yeah, yeah. But La Nina is more frequent than El Nino, which is like three to four or five years. But uh El Nino happens like three to seven with that impact happening but it's like a different weather phenomenon that has to be introduced because it changes how everything is typically done so even if you look at the old you know weather patterns of el nino la nina it's still going to be different than the other ones yes so that's one implication of how weather can be very tricky to predict with all these different phenomena affecting how weather can be perceived. But mm-hmm. that's why sometimes you get that strange weather that you just can't explain. It takes like a lot of study to actually understand what the heck happened. <laughs> so. But yeah, as we wrap this episode up with uh, meteorology and weather explain, what is one thing you want to say as a concluding thought? About weather in general? Um, you know, I guess humidity kill uh, is always the enemy of all the ladies dealing with their hair, so it's a humid out make sure you have um you're you're ready to uh fight uh the hair being all like dead or whatever and uh if it's rainy make sure you wear boots that way your feet don't get wet (laughs) Hey, uh, anyway, we know where Leslie's interest lies He's a photographer He wants the women with all the messy hair So he can get the perfect embarrassing photo And then oh, the booty billion- I know I have like learn a few of those <laughs> I have quite a few of those From like behind the scenes of me Testing out the settings on the camera And just so many <laughs> Or <if> they fall <laughs> oh, oh my god He's getting all evil now on us Nah, nah, they, they don't see the light of the day, whoop, that's so nice, it says El Nino, <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounds like something bad <laughs> <laughs> so, it Sounds like a, like a Mexican cartel leader or something <laughs> What? He does, Al Nino's coming <laughs> Uh, let's wrap this up. Weather, one simple thing, but weather—you can't control the force of nature, what in which it is and how it can be. So know how that can impact the situation around you, and actually be able to do something about. Basically, Mother Nature is going to do what Mother Nature does, and just be prepared. Yep. All right, guys. This concludes biology and brother. Explain. Thank you for being here. Thank you for Leslie being here again with us. Yeah, it was. Always, it's always fun. True. Oh yeah. As we wrap this up, bye guys. And uh... Leslie, where can they find you again? Just in case they haven't. You can find me on um, all social media platforms. Uh, the main ones: Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Or um, either my name is uh, Leslie Madewell, or you can just look up Madewell Art Photography, and you'll be able to find me. Exactly, he's going to capture the essence of your humidity style. Hail and blackmail you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I blackmail you <laughs> by letting me get more photos. <laughs> this is terrible. I am terrible. I'm a horrible person. I don't need you. says goodbye. Bye bye. This concludes another episode of MC MC Anime Anime Podcast. Podcast. MC Anime Podcast is available on podcast directories like Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. We also have our website at mcanimepodcast.com. If you want to directly support us, then follow Patreon blog MC Anime. Finally, if you want services for hire, then we're available on Fiverr for audio and video production, graphic design, idea consulting, and blog and article writing.